the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Hey, everybody, it's me. Rob Black. This hour, I'm going to be talking about love and marriage. I'm going to be talking how they go together like a horse and carriage. I'm going to be talking about divorce. Divorce is one of those issues that none, no one really wants to talk about. Um, you, when you marry, you enter into a financial contract. It's a contract. Marriage is a contract. And when you break up, there's certain things you do and you do not have to do. And it could really ruin your life or it could really help your life. I see a lot of people come out of divorce happier people marriage wasn't meant to be and they stick into it a little bit too long hopefully that's not you um kids gonna bring on a totally new issue in this day and age a lot of people get married a second time but with have different kids who have different parents um sometimes people get married two three times and it can ultimately be just a, a total nightmare as well you could imagine so we're going to talk about some of the financial ramifications of divorce. One of the things I teased yesterday while I was discussing the topic of divorce is in my book, I once wrote, ladies, go for the 401k in divorce. Don't go for the home. Divorce is emotional. It's important that you go for a good financial decision and not emotion. What do I mean by that? Love, money, second marriages, 401ks. One of my mantras on this show is it's tough to save money in a 401k. It's tough to save enough money in a 401k, i.e. IRA, i.e. 457, i.e. 403. It's tough. And it's so darn tough that ultimately I would prefer you save money in a 401k than buy a house. When it comes time to get a divorce, I would prefer that you have a 401k versus a house. You can go live in someone else's house when you're divorced. You can go back and live with mom and dad. But 10, 20, 30 years into the marriage, you only get those 40 years from age 20 to 60 to save money in a 401k or a nest egg. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they, don't, they, they go after the house because the kids. No matter how intense your emotions, it's important to remember that ending a marriage is a business deal. Some people get super high-priced attorneys involved, and they hate each other, and then the attorneys win. When your marriage breaks up, the last thing you feel like doing is crunching numbers. You're hurt. You're angry. You're possibly overwhelmed with anxiety, fear, and despair. You're focused on the past. You're not really focused on, well, uh, yeah, you are focused on the present, because when you're going through divorce... You so badly want to have sex. You so badly want to tell people I'm viable and I'm important even if you threw me to the side. 
With a lot of divorced couples, they learn the hard way. It's precisely the time you need to get a grip and pay close attention to your assets. You, you don't drop the emotions, drop the go get laid thing, and focus on what you have. Know that it's a business deal. This means you got to get rid of emotion any way you can. Because your divorce should be based on one thing and one thing only, your property settlement. It's a matter of numbers. That's all it is. It's easier said than done. At least 80% of money is about self-management, about emotions, and 20% is about quantifying and computing. First and foremost, when you're starting this whole divorce process, you need to pull your credit report. You need to open individual bank, credit card, and brokerage accounts. You need to close all joint accounts. You need to keep separate property. Separate. If in the state of California, your mama is about to give you a big old inheritance, don't put it in your husband's name. Got to keep it separate. Until you title it together, it's separate. Consider selling the house. I know, it sucks, but it's an asset that might be like worth 400000 The 401k is worth 400000 The home ain't really worth 400000 It's a liability because you got to pay the mortgage. The 401k, 400000 that's $400,000. That's an asset. Change beneficiaries. You know, there was a point in time in my 20s and 30s where I'd date a girl for three, four, five years, pretty consistently, and I'd always make them my beneficiary, incorrectly. Well, no, not incorrectly. I didn't really like my family. I wasn't that close. But now, 10, 15 years later, if I died and money went to a girlfriend from 10, 15 years ago, that would piss off the spouse. You need to reclaim your name. You need to check your retirement. You need to guard your health coverage. You need to dust yourself off and you need to start living. Those are the 10 things you got to do. Pulling your credit report, critically important. I'll talk about these in a little bit more detail. But first and foremost, let's go to Karen in San Francisco. Karen? Yes. Go ahead. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, okay. Okay, all right, cool. Um, I don't know if they told me uh, as far as what I wanted to ask, as far, you know. Go ahead. Okay, well, um, I know that you're doing the, the whole thing on divorce. I am divorced. There's life after divorce, thank God, and I've pretty much followed your um, suggestions, what you were saying, what I heard. Good. But anyways, my situation is single mom. I'm 52, um, freelancer. I've been able to save about 100000 in my retirement, so I've got around 30000 back up, primarily with mutual funds and Vanguard, 5% in REITs, um, healthcare, European and international, rest and total stock market. And at 65 at this point with my little pension fund, uh, I'll probably be getting around $2,000. Own my home, 250000 still owed on the home, and I could probably sell it for upper 300s. And I know I should probably be in bonds, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pick a bond. I just was kind of curious with what your assessment. How are you getting um, a $2,000 pension? Through my, uh, the unions that I'm with. Okay. That is, okay. That is a gold mine. And because you have... about it. Tell yeah. me about it. Keep in mind, that is now your safe money. Right. In your head, you should say, that's my bonds. You don't need bonds. You already have bonds. You've got $2,000 of income right there. Okay. So um, that's $24,000 a year. It's not bad. Right. Now, Social Security is going to be about 20000 so you're looking at 44000 After taxes and everything, you're back down to probably about 20000 Okay. Um, your hundred k if it's diversified properly, it should be about three hundred to four hundred k by age 65. Would you say the hundred thousand? If it's what diversified, diversified. Okay, and I just gave you the breakdown of what I have, how I've done it. You did that a little too fast for me. Do that again. Okay, I have about five percent 
in the REIT fund, okay. R-E-I-T, um, the healthcare fund, the international, and the European. You got 5% in each of those? And the rest okay. is in the total stock market. Okay. Um, do you have an inter- – okay. I would up your international and European. International, European, okay. And I would scale out of the REIT because the REIT is kind of an income play and you already have a pension in retirement. Okay, I lo- and I lost a lot of money in that one. It was just like I bought at the wrong time. But okay. Well. Well, if you want to write it out, the, the REITs pay their dividends, and that's one of the reasons you bought it. I'm not telling you to write it to, to sell it. I'm saying what I would consider getting more exposure to is more international. Um, and if you have a good value fund, whether it's an international value fund or a U.S. value fund, I would consider adding that as well and cutting cutting what you need to out of the inter, out of the total stock market um, as a uh, you know a source of funds. But I don't think you're doing anything terribly wrong. You don't have a huge amount of money, but with that three hundred thousand dollar IRA in retirement and you know twenty thousand dollars of after tax money. That's pretty good. The home, eh, I'm not feeling great about that, but I'm not feeling bad about it. I continue to max out everything you can into the 401k as long as you can. And um, okay. just you know, start getting yeah, that. I'm able to just like stick away around 5000 a year. It's Like I said, I'm a freelancer, so it's, it's hard. But that's what I've always tried to do, a goal of that. Does your pension go up? Um, I don't think so, no. It's whatever I've earned. They, and then they give me a statement that says, okay. this is how much you'll get at 65, you know. Okay. It sounds like you're doing good. I'd, I'd start working on a real budget in your life just so you know what where you are on a regular basis. Um, you're not way ahead. You're not way behind. So you're, you're kind of turtling along at, at a good speed. Okay. Um, so international, European, and a value fund. That's what I should be like. Yeah, I, I think so. The healthcare fund, it's okay. The REIT fund, it's okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that, that pension is going to be a lifesaver for you. And know that when you turn 65 or when you do decide to retire, you'll probably want to leave the state of California. Um, <laughs> why, are you, why are you laughing? No, because... <laughs> All right, I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> is, that, is that offensive to you? No, 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 no. I, you know, just, uh, just, a, just another thing to think about. So, well, okay. you know, <laughs> let's put it this way. $20,000 in Arkansas goes a lot farther than... I, than twenty thousand dollars in California. I like living in the wine country. Um, I don't think you're going to have enough money to live well in the wine country. Okay. Or you know, another thing you can do is is go find an older widower. <laughs> well, fifty two is the new thirty. Fifty two is the new thirty. So uh, don't count yourself out yet, because uh, maybe another marriage is in your future. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred three four five. Five six three nine. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Now I just went through ten things that you should do during a divorce. Uh, one of the most important is pull your credit before the divorce, so that anything in dispute can be resolved before the divorce is final. Get a copy of your report, you know, from Experian, from TransUnion, from Equifax. If you need this list emailed to you, I'll gladly send you out the list. You need to open up an individual bank, uh, credit card, brokerage accounts. Uh, it's easier said than done, uh, but you got to do it. You know, you got to do it. You need to, before the breakup is official, you know, get your own credit card going, get your own bank account going um, while you're still married to, you know, close all your joint accounts. I can't tell you how many times uh, you're getting divorced and you're like, you know, screw these people or screw this woman or screw that man. I'm going to go on a a big old vacation to Mexico. And while you're doing this big old vacation to Mexico, you're spending four, five, six thousand dollars of each other's money. And that's just going to turn into money that you lose and a lot of finger pointing and you know, maybe someone dead, so don't do that. You want to keep separate property separate. What's that mean? 
assets that you bought brought into the marriage separately, real estate, cars, inheritance, gifts, they're yours to take away from the marriage. You drive in with an SUV, you drive out with an SUV. But if you put your separate assets into a joint account, they're joint property. Now, again, I'm not telling this to like, haha, let's screw each other during divorce. I'm telling you that this is the way to make divorce civil. Consider selling the house. Traditionally, women want to keep it for their family at all costs. Unfortunately, it's an emotional decision. It's not a smart decision. Studies say that women will keep the house and give up the retirement money. It's one of the biggest mistakes women make. Problem with that is, is many times she's not going to be able to afford to stay in the house. Her income's going to go lower, and they've had the house for a long time. You could lose a huge, large part of the capital gain exclusion, which is $250,000 for singles, $500,000 for couples. I recommend that you seriously look at selling the house. Here, I use the selling the house story on death and divorce. Uh, when my mom dies, we want to sell the house and split it six ways. We have no interest in living in mom's house. It's creepy. Now, one of my brothers does, so we may end up fighting. You want to reclaim your own name. This is important during divorce. For some women, divorce adds another task. Reclaiming your name. If you're reverting to your maiden name, you may be required to produce the divorce decree or document signed by your ex-husband that acknowledges your new name in order to obtain a new driver's license. Don't forget to register your name change on your W-4 and tax forms, Social Security Administration. A mix-up could cause you to lose viable Social Security credits for all your work. Check your retirement. Um, you know, a 52-year-old woman just called who's been through a divorce, and she's got some pretty good assets, and she's on a pretty good course. Fortunately, the pension's going to save her ass. If it's between me and you, it's going to save her, no doubt about it. Dust yourself off and start living. The biggest things that people mess up during divorce is that they get all depressed or they do things that they don't want to do. Get out, hang out with your friends, see a movie, anything, but think about the other sex, so to speak. Um, and get up. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. You don't have to rush a divorce. Take your time with it. Be patient. The more you rush it, the, the more disastrous it can be for you. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Today we're talking divorce and money issues. I don't like divorce to ruin people. I think divorce should be done with a little bit of dignity, so to speak. It shouldn't destroy people financially. Just because you no longer get along anymore, move on. Um, But mediation is an option. We grew up thinking that you had to get a high-priced attorney and you had to get a detective and prove that she's a hoe bag or she has to get a detective and prove that he's a cheater. You don't have to do that. It's a no-fault state. You don't get extra bonus points. You don't get extra money because the other person betrayed you. It's a no-fault. Let's bring in super-powerful attorney Paula Lahan. You're a super-power attorney, right? Uh, sure. So I think you. I think I saw somewhere that you're a super-attorney. Oh, uh, right. A rising star is part of the super-lawyers. Right. I, I don't like that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going with it. Um, now, basically, I found you because I wanted to talk a little bit about divorce and how it should be approached. Um, what I just opened with, of it doesn't have to ruin your, your life and you have to think about the financial consequences. It's highly emotional. You've personally oversaw many divorces, I'm assuming. Um, it's never, it's never clinical. It's usually emotional, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I think that's one of the things that mediation allows people to, um, to really get into is to deal with the emotional aspects of the divorce and not just um, those allegations or, like you said, with you know, getting the private investigator and trying to get the worst 
of um, somebody's past and, and highlighted in the court. So, And we grew up, you and I, we're about the same age, where you know, the, the husband has to get his attorney, though. The female has to get her, the wife has to get their attorney. I've been through a divorce in the state of California, and we did, we did mediation, and it was incredibly civil, and we didn't ha- end up hating each other. Um, it was still a painful process, but, you know, fortunately, we got a mediator. It cost $3,500 total. Um, it was pretty clean. It was pretty easy. It was over in six months because you had to go through the separation, and then you had to get her to sign the paper. And, you know, she said, you know, I want $5,000, or I want this. She made a couple demands, but nothing ludicrous. Um, what's the process right now? Let's say you and I are married and we hate each other. Uh, the, the marriage is over. We have no kids. What do you, where do you go? What I would recommend is that um, people go and they find a mediator. There's There are mediators online. Maybe that's um, how you guys found me. And you find a mediator that you both feel comfortable with, and you actually set up an appointment. And at the first meeting, the mediator actually fills out the paperwork and starts that legal divorce process getting the petition filed in the court, getting your six-month waiting period started. And then we work on all the financial pieces, identifying all the assets and debts, figuring out what statements we need or maybe if we need valuations sometimes, um, depending um, on what the assets are. So we start the whole process. That's a little bit of a process. (laughs) It is. Yes, it's a big process. I married a Playboy model, and I was worth a lot of money. (laughs) So, and that was probably the worst part about the divorce is I had to show her everything that I had. Right. Now, fortunately, I brought it all into the marriage. So, and it lasted under a year. It was, there wasn't a lot to argue about, so to speak, but prove, showing documentation, it stinks. Right. And especially because you're not planning on getting a divorce. So you're not, you're not keeping a good accounting often, right? You don't have, well, I paid for this and oh, this is where um, I had this inheritance and, and this is what I did with it. This is, uh, you know, did we commingle separate uh, property with community property. So it can be a little bit of a um, process to identify all the assets separate versus community and where they're going. We are speaking with Paula Lahone, and we are talking about divorce and mediation. Is mediation, and she's a super attorney. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> she, wears, she wears a cape. She's got a, she's got a essay on her chest. It's cute. Um and when I say essay, I don't mean a Mexican person. I'm talking something totally different. Um, when mediation, when you have kids, we didn't have kids. Do you still do mediation or is that point in time better to pony up and each get your own attorney? I think that mediation is uh, very well suited for the couple who has children. Okay. And in part because you, you're changing your relationship. You're not ending your relationship. Um, you're ending the romantic part of your relationship when you're divorcing and you have children. When you have children, you're still going to be parents together. So you need to learn to be able to communicate effectively, uh, co-parent effectively, and, and work through some of these things. So what we do is we, I help couples to put together a parenting plan and help them figure out how they're going to solve disputes in the future as well. Now you've got a website that you – it's a mediation blog, do we really need a mediation blog? I mean, there's <laughs> I bloggers that do, do everything. <laughs> you know, the purpose of my blog is, um, well, and actually let me back up and say that I used to do mediation in other areas as well. So I, one of my um, pet projects is um, outreach for mediation because I think mediation is a great tool to be able to solve disputes in all sorts of areas. And, you know, there's the community boards is the San Francisco little nonprofit um that that resolves community disputes. So I'm a big proponent of mediation whenever it's possible. And so this blog is intended to just give people an idea of 
what type of disputes you can resolve and what that looks like and what to expect. Now, that, the website is sfmediation.com, sfmediation.com. you got your photo there. And you got mm-hmm. an article that you recently wrote called Mediation in Paradise. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess there's a need for a blog. If you can tie in mediation in paradise, that, that, that's a good combination. Right. Now, let's go to a quick phone call, and let me give out the phone number. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Chris in Albany. Chris? Howdy, Rob. Hi. Hey, great show. Um, not really divorce-related, but, uh, Rob, I'd really like your opinion on um, some of the banks in California that are offering uh, reward checking accounts. Here's the kicker, and thanks for the call. Um and I was going to try to pull him in and talk. He's happily married. And do you ever think mediation and divorce? But I don't want to. Um, the higher the yield that a bank gives you, the more risk it is or the more inconvenient it is. If you want safe, easy cash, you typically go with Bank of America. You can walk in any day and get your cash. And you're going to get less than 1% on your money. If you want a higher yield, you go with something like an E-Trade or an ING Direct. But that's online. And then you have to have an, a real bank. And you transfer the money from your real bank to the online bank because they don't have real banks. They're just online. And then you transfer it back. I don't like high rate of returns. Cash to me is supposed to be safe and liquid. I don't like high rate of returns on my cash. Okay, let's move on. Um, now, you don't. You not only mediate with married couples, male, female, but you also have to deal with cohabitations and domestic partnerships. Any difference, or is this just the same scenario? Person's a person, sit them down and figure it out. Basically, person's a person and emotional issues and... and um joint assets and um, figuring out how they're going to separate everything. It's the same. But when you've got somebody who was married, legally married, then we have to deal with the legal aspects of that, making sure that we're following all the requirements, getting all the right documents prepared. Um, If it's a registered domestic partnership, then we also have different documents we have to prepare. But oftentimes we have, like you said, the cohabitation, people who have been living together maybe for many years. And in all aspects, they, they've been like a married couple. They've got joint accounts. They've got all sorts of things. They, they bought a house together. So we have to figure out the same things, but we just have to uh, – the, the written paperwork is a little bit different. What's the rule in California? Don't, doesn't it become community property if you've been living together for seven years, or is that a myth? That's a myth. Total myth. There, California does not have a common law marriage because I think that's what you're referring to. Probably. That, right. So that people think that if you've been uh, living together for a certain amount of time – that by default you're you're technically married. There are states that have common law marriage, like yep. Texas, and so if you validly enter into a common law marriage in Texas just by virtue of having lived together and calling each other husband and wife, and then you move to California, California has to has to recognize that marriage is valid. But we don't acknowledge our own. Uh, we can't get married that way here. Good stuff. Now, in California, I, there's a joke about a man and a, a steer. Would that be common law? Maybe. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. But Texas is a little bit backwards, at least parts of Texas a little bit backwards. Let's take a break while I'm blushing because I'm embarrassed that I actually said that on air. We're speaking with Paula Lahan. Paula Lahan, and it's L-A-W-H-O-N. She's got a website called LahanLaw.com, L-A-W-Law, H-O-N, Hun. LahanLaw.com. She's also got a blog that um, is interesting reading, sfmediation.com, sfmediation.com. We're going to be talking a little bit more about custody, visitation matters, prenups, postnups, 
Um, are you afraid? Because I think that's the biggest thing on, on divorces. Are you afraid of getting taken to the cleaners? Uh, in this day and age, we make some mistakes in marriage, and they don't have to be costly if you do it correct. 800-345-5639 if you have a divorce question. 800-345-5639. Speaking with Paula Lahan. Ahead at noon, Glenn Beck. Now, Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Rob Black show, Don't not the best recording of Hit the Road, Jack. I guess more often than not, the marriage doesn't work out and the guy is told to hit the road, so to speak. We're speaking today on a theme show. We're speaking on love and money. We're speaking on divorce and doing it the right way versus the wrong way. There's been some bad divorces. Uh, for instance, Mick Jagger and Jerry Hall, that one was a $25 million celebrity divorce. Uh, Ted Danson and Casey Coates. Who would have known that Ted Danson makes the list of the top 15 divorces of all time? Uh, Cheers bartender. He married his first wife, Casey Coates, 10 years, his senior in 1976. His career takes off. Anyway, you see where that's going. Um, And it was interesting with Ted Danson. What caused the divorce was Whoopi Goldberg. His wife didn't like him hanging out with Whoopi Goldberg. Other big divorces, uh, Michael and DeAndre Douglas, $45 million. James Cameron, Linda Hamilton, $50 million. The number's getting higher. Kevin Costner and Cindy Silva, $80 million. I'm just stunned that he made $80 million in his career. So he must have made $160 million in some way, shape, or form. Harrison Ford and Melissa Matheson, um, whoa. Uh, she gets royalties and DVD sales of 22 movies. So she that's a pretty good settlement. She worked into hers. Uh, Let's get the, the royalties keeping coming, and that's $85 million. Steven Spielberg, Amy Irving, $100 million. Um, she did not have legal representation. It was all tied towards a prenup. Well, and that's what I'm wondering about all these, which ones of them actually had prenuptial agreements so that their community efforts, their efforts during marriage, would not result in big payouts like this. Some of them, there's some very famous uh, prenuptial agreements among the celebrities. Now, this is my personal favorite because um, I'm a jerk. Uh, Neil Diamond and Marsha Murphy. Uh, everyone knows how Neil Diamond's older than dirt. He's now uh, married to another woman who's 33 years old, but um, uh, his divorce cost him with uh, $150 million. Uh, Michael and Juanita Jordan, $168 million. Uh, the couple filed for their first divorce. They reconciled shortly after. They filed for another divorce. They followed through on it. The couple had both signed a prenup agreement entitling Juanita to half of his fortune. In the end, she walked away with $168 million, seven-acre state, and custody of their three kids. And the biggest one there is out there, Paul McCartney and Heather Mills, mm-hmm. four years of marriage, one child. Um, so she said abuse. She screamed abuse. Um, no settlement was reached. Um, 188 to 376 million dollars. We don't even know which number it actually was. No, and that was a painful divorce to to be played out on the international scene. It was. Um, it, I always like when I read about celebrities who have quietly, peacefully resolved their their divorce, whether through collaborative process or through mediation, and everybody is disappointed because they wanted it to be the Paul McCartney and Heather Mills kind of drama flashy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's painful to watch, especially, you know, when there's children involved, it's even worse. One of the things I like about prenups is it gets the couple talking, yes. talking about money. Right. I don't think a prenup's a bad thing. It's saying, for instance, I've got a frying pan. That was my mother's cast iron skillet. 
if you, let's say we get married and five years from now we get divorced and you were to point a finger at me and say, that's my mother's cast iron skillet, I'd kill you. I would go buy a gun and kill you because that's the only thing. You could have all my money. You're not advocating that, though. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I would, you could have all my money, the cars, you can have the, the jewelry. I want my cast iron skillet. Right. Um, that's a good thing to put in a prenup. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. This is something that's important. It's a family heirloom. I want this back in the event of a dissolution. Right. So that's one one reason to have a prenuptial agreement. Why else do you favor them? Um, because it gets us talking about money. Right. For instance, what are you worth? What are you worth? What's your credit rating? What's my credit rating? What are our goals? What are good? How are we going to be building wealth together in addition to maybe what we want to have separate? You're coaching me and I like that. <laughs> I like that. You're but, schooling me. But you know what? I When people come in and want a prenuptial agreement and, and I ask them what What's the reason for wanting this? And they say, well, I have a you know, separate property. I have an inheritance. I, my, my family's wealthy. So we'll focus on those pieces. But I also want to know, I mean, this is your financial partnership agreement we're putting together. So what are you going to do together? What's, what type of, are, what are your goals in terms of investing and, and what things do you want to do separately and together? So it, and it gets them talking. But I also like people to have a little bit of other counseling before they get married. I love for them to talk to a financial planner, financial mm-hmm. advisor. Um, I also like to have them talk to um, a marriage and family therapist. They have pre-marriage counseling, not that anything's wrong, but just to say, hey, talk about some issues before they come up. Because if they're in my office and for the first time when I'm asking them if they're planning on having children together and they look at each other and go, uh, hmm, I don't know. I'm a little concerned, right? We want them thinking about all of these issues. And so you do pre as well. Uh, I do a lot of prenups. How about postnups? Now, that, that's something that came about maybe 10 years ago. I don't remember it when I was a child, right. but I do remember it as an adult. What's a postnup and who should get them? A postnuptial agreement is very similar to a prenup. It's just a property agreement says who's going to get what and, and basically another financial uh, partnership agreement type thing. But it's between people who are married who are not intending on being divorced. So maybe maybe during the marriage, um, we bought a house together and because of other circumstances, we've decided that we're shifting things around and that house is going to be all mine now, even though we've been paying the mortgage together on it. So we can do that. We, in that agreement, we can say, OK, this house is now Paula's and maybe in exchange, Rob is getting X, Y and Z. I want the puppies because <laughs> <laughs> I'll take what you love. <laughs> um, let's talk uh, Lahan on LahanLaw.com, uh, LahanLaw.com. People want to find Paula Lahan. Now, how do you know how expensive an average divorce is now without mediation? Without mediation. Yes. The Wall Street Journal had a recent, actually maybe, gosh, this article came out last year, um, late 2008, that said the national average for a fully litigated divorce is about $78,000. That's insanity. That's nationally. Yeah. In San Francisco, that average is much higher. I mean, we've got divorces that are you know well over $100,000 frequently. Now, I went through a pretty easy mediation, $3,500. What's the average mediation run? Average mediation, maybe between five and 7000 Okay. And in a typical scenario like that, do you say both of you pony up? Do you take it from a joint account? Uh, because at that point in time, every dollar counts. And you were watching that person. She just bought a dress. She just <laughs> bought a Betsy Johnson dress. Right. Um, he just bought the sports car, yeah, yeah. and he wants the divorce, so who's paying for this? There so that's go. often an issue that we are mediating. But otherwise, we say, I take a credit card to hold the initial, um, actually, as the retainer, I do. Okay. Um, and then we discuss in the, the accounting of everything how that's actually going to be paid for. Okay. Now let's um, talk about 
when I was going over the list of the most expensive divorces of all time, you kind of perked up and you were interested. What prenups have you seen or, or what divorce stories have you seen that were intriguing to you? Um, it's an odd question, I know. It's an odd question. Well, they're, they're all intriguing to me. This is an interesting area of law anyway because it's so personalized and it's the, every situation, every couple is different. Um, so a prenuptial agreement, I mean, some of the celebrity ones are, are actually can get a little bit awful. They have uh, famously or infamously, they have some weight clauses. Really? Right. That okay. if there's a divorce and if you have gained X number of pounds, that the payout is going to be less or they, they basically are tying. How about the, the, sex? Is that ever thrown in? Like, I want sex twice a week or I nothing? Say, <laughs> I would say that people do try to put those into the agreements, but those are not enforceable. We've got their, their rules against having um, agreements where you're required to have sex, basically. Okay. But I like that. The weight one is just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that's true. <laughs> well, and it's interesting also because, like you said earlier, California is a no-fault state. Okay. So when you say, I mean, what are the other clauses that people can have? If you cheat on me, you're not going to get any spousal support and you're not going to get this or that. But that's not going to hold up. Right, exactly. And a lot of these clauses that people are trying to be a little bit creative and, and say, well, hey, this is what's important to me. I want it in the agreement. Sure, as long as you know, it's not necessarily going to be enforceable because California doesn't want to get into the details of who did what to whom and who was worse than the other. We just want, it's enough to say, Irreconcilable differences. You cannot save your marriage. We're very sorry it ended, and now we're going to apply community property law and all the other family code. Let's talk about a, a situation, and uh, again, let's throw out Paula Lahan. We're talking divorce. We're talking mediation. Would you refer to yourself as a mediation attorney? Yes. Okay. Four one five three seven eight five seven four seven. If anyone has any questions, four one five three seven eight five seven four seven. Let's talk a little bit about custody. Let's say there is a kid involved. Um, how does a mediator? I want custody of the kids. She wants custody of the kids. As a mediator, how do you find common ground? Let's let's pretend there's a couple in front of you right now. Right. Well, one of the reasons, like I said, I like mediation because we're actually able to talk about things in a little bit of a different way than you would if you were in court. Right. If you're in court, you're trying to say that parent is a bad parent or she drinks all the time or he smoked pot, right? I mean, those are the things that people start alleging. Which, for the record, we're not saying anything's <laughs> wrong with drinking or smoking pot. No, we're not passing judgment. Right. But in mediation, we're actually able to get into uh, into their interests and their needs and, and the realities a little bit more to say, OK, you both have the common goal of wanting to make sure that your children's best interests are are met. So what is this going to look like and what do your work schedules look like? Right. Everybody says, I want 50 50 custody. This is what I want it to be. OK, but now let's I want to look and see what is this going to look like if you work. You know, if you're, if, you, if you're on the night shift or you've got a rotating schedule, like, you know, if you're a police officer and you've got a, a, a schedule that shifts every week, we have to take into account the unique situation right. of your family. So I get into their, their underlying interests, their, um, the, their real needs, um, whether they've got nannies, you know, child care, and pull, pull all this together to figure out, you know, I, I like to have people focus not on the number you know, there's a couple who's who's fighting over this needs to be 50 50 custody. OK, right. but is that is it is that really and how important is that number? Let's back away from the number. What does this look like on a weekly basis? What do you want Monday to look like? 
no, Tuesday, right? And then we deal yeah. with holidays and, and everything else like that. So I, I pull people out of sometimes they've, they've dug in their heels a little bit and they've really focused on, I have to have this, I have to have this, but maybe we can meet everyone's needs without doing that one thing that you thought was the most important thing to get out of this. Interesting topic. Uh, we're talking divorce. We're talking mediation. I favor mediation over $78,000 because <laughs> that money is money that should be spent in retirement, not tied up in attorney fees. Right. Let me give out her website, and we're going to take a little bit of a break here. She's got a, a blog, sfmediation.com. That's a lot easier, sfmediation.com, <laughs> than lahonlaw.com. So lahon is L-A-W-H-O-N, law, L-A-W.com. What's lahon come from? Where's that background? Mm. You That's don't know? a good question. Uh, well, we sort of think that they're, my father has some uh, Cherokee okay. in him, and we're not really sure, but at some point that name sort of appeared. So we don't know if it was a made-up name or but it was from long ago. I like it. That's yeah. a good story. Let's take a little <laughs> bit of a break. We'll come back, talk more marriage and divorce in the United States. Ahead at noon, Glenn Beck. Now, Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. The live bloggers are chiming in with their two cents as they want to do. We're talking marriage and divorce. We're talking mediation, which I've been through a divorce situation and I highly endorse mediation. Um, her website is sfmediation.com, sfmediation.com. When I say her, it's Paula Lahan. Uh, L A W H O N law.com is another website for her L A W H O N law.com. If you're missing any of this, you can go to talk910.com, talk910.com, listen to the second hour and it's podcast. You can rewind it, hear it again, rewind it, hear it again. Um, some of the live blog comments that I wanted to get to is marry by all means. If you find a good wife, you'll be happy, marry a bad one and you'll be a philosopher. So says Socrates, also known as Socrates. Um, Randy goes, hi, Rob. Do I need a prenup for assets acquired prior to marriage, i.e. a house in Texas, 250K and a 401K? A house. You have a house that you come into the marriage with and it's paid for and you're not putting any community dollars into it. It will stay your separate property. But if you start to do anything to it, if you contribute community earnings to the mortgage, you pay down the principal or you do capital improvements, something that improves the value of it, then you've got, you're creating a community interest. So do you need a prenuptial agreement? Yes, you need a prenuptial agreement if you'd like to make certain that that house is going to stay your separate property and will not be part of any divisible community estate if there is a divorce in the future. So let's continue this conversation on... Um I guess we could talk prenups, but let's not do prenups because we've already gotten that pretty pretty well out there. But let's talk about the emotions that you see. People just afraid that they're going to be taken to the cleaners. Um, sure. How do you handle that? Because you've invested 10, 20 years into the man or 10, 20 years into the woman, and uh, suddenly you're splitting the income and there's two houses. Like One of the nice things about marriage is – it's one house. It's, you know, one set of dinner, uh, one set of plates. Now suddenly it becomes very expensive to live single again. Right. So the emotional piece of it, um, we're able to deal with it. We've got, well, there's two pieces of that. So you're saying that people are afraid about what's going to happen. Am I going to be taken to the cleaners? 
So one of the things that I like about mediation and what I tell people when I first meet with them is that they can relax because nothing's going to happen to them. Really? They, they are making their own decisions. They're coming into my office. I'm explaining things where I'm guiding them through the process. I'm asking them what's important to them. I'm, we're discussing the law. If they have other detailed questions and they want legal advice, they can go talk to, to an independent attorney. But otherwise, they're sitting in my office and they are going to be making their own decisions. If they're not comfortable making a decision yet or, or agreeing to something, they don't have to. I'm not strong-arming them. Nobody is. And if one person is a little bit more powerful, a little bit more assertive, I work on balancing that power dynamic out a little bit so that everybody feels like they were heard that their needs have been met in the mediation and in the settlement agreement. And this is their agreement. So it's not being imposed on them by anybody. It's really, it's theirs. They came up with it. One of the things that I like about you, and I'm being honest, I'm, I'm totally endorsing you, is that you're sound and you're reasonable. And I guess that's, that's good that you're that way. <laughs> that's why I got into mediation. Yeah. I always felt like I was the most reasonable person in the room. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm not, but that's how I, I think. And so even when I was doing litigation years ago, I was still trying to explain to people, well, have you thought about this? Or have you, what if you came up with, a, you know, if we had a structure and we did a payment plan or if we did, I mean, whatever, that's not so creative, but there are different things that we can do. So I was always trying to help people in that way. So it was very natural for me five years ago to say, okay, no more litigation, get into mediation completely. I once asked an emergency room nurse if it's tough to be attracted to a man because in an emergency room, you see all sorts of men just torn apart, guts here, skin hair. You got to put a hose there. You got to put a, you know, uh, you got to let the urine come out bags here and just crazy stuff. And she said, no, no, I still find men attractive and I don't look at them as pieces of meat. As a mediation attorney, do you believe in marriage or have you become jaded? I'm a romantic you're romantic. I am. Are you kidding? I don't see a ring on your finger. <laughs> I'm still romantic. <laughs> Have you been married? Um, no, I was in a nine-year relationship. Okay. And um, so we were not married. We were cohabitating. And I went through a separation and um, had to deal with all the same things, separating out the, well, there's the emotional aspect. There's the whose silverware is whose and can I have the wine opener back and... Uh, and, and things like that, we we had to go through. We had, you know, there were a couple, maybe there were joint accounts. So I still look at this and I, I see couples in my office every day and I say, I can see why they didn't work out. Okay. Or I see others and I say, I wish they had gotten to counseling sooner. Because a lot of the people, I mean, one of the first questions I ask couples when they're calling me and they're asking about my services is I ask if they've done marriage counseling. Right. I, mean, I don't necessarily think that therapy is always the panacea that, you know, that's going to fix everything. But I do think if there's a chance that it might help, then go do that. If there's if, a chance that you can be heard fairly. Right. And by someone who doesn't really, it's a paid friend, but it's, it's not bad. <laughs> but a paid friend for the two of you and right, unbiased. Exactly. And, that, and, you know, if you can get somebody to help you guys like that. Before you start the divorce process, that's that's great. You're kind of like a paid friend as well. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to bring you back on when we have to talk divorce again, maybe when we talk marriage and prenups and issues along those lines. Her name is Paula Lahan, and you can find her at L-A-W-H-O-N-Law.com, L-A-W-H-O-N-Law.com, or you can find her blog. The blog is probably easier to remember. It's sfmediation.com. It's sfmediation.com. 
Divorce doesn't have to take you to cleaners. It doesn't have to cost 78000 It costs five to 7000 That's much more reasonable. It gives you a little bit more dignity ending the relationship. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.